Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome once again to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. It's been seven hours and 50 <laughs> days <laughs> since Some we Lord. last released an episode. That's right. After a prolonged absence from the interwebs, we have returned to claim our throne as the biggest idiots in the podcasting world. Over the last month and a half, there's been a lot of geekery goings-ons that we've missed, so we're going to dive into all kinds of shenanigans, ranging from wrapping up Season 3 of The Mandalorian to the latest in the MCU to the wide world of sports to the wide world of sports entertainment. Can you dig it, sucker? Because it's all right here in this episode 133. Since you've been gone, catching up and kicking off season four, I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who spent the last 50 days perfecting his recipe for a brand new steak marinade that could best be described as somewhere between tangy and napalm. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and is one purchase away from a free tomahawk ribeye from a steak dealer. I give you the man they called him don't call it a comeback we've been here for years greetings and salutations my friend how are you we've been here for years unfortunately we have not yet done a damn thing worth noticing that's the problem people were like we thought we had rid ourselves of the virus but we're back (laughs) (laughs) oh no we're not a virus we're more like vermin they're like damn they're like cockroaches they just won't go away I like the Chicago rats. <laughs> they won't Damn. disappear. There we go. There we go. Oh, <laughs> And my yes, goodness. we have the soundboard back up, so we're going to see if that oh, actually works. Uncle Todd has the soundboard. Uh, we're, we're broadcasting with video. We can see each other, which, you know, completely destroys the theater of the mind that we had going uh, for the 100 and prior 132 episodes. So we'll see how this one goes. But theater uh, of the it's, mind. It's great to see it's... Uncle Todd animated and, and, and energetic and, and projecting. So, yes. Oh, there we go. Yeah, he's doing a little happy dance there. Very nice. Very nice. I'm I'm winded from that. That's sad right there. <laughs> oh, just gotta go take a seat and take a breather. <laughs> I'm gonna have to finish this this episode from a chair, and then eventually He's I'm gonna be on show the, shape. I, I've 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 got a couch. I'm, I'm gesturing to the man they called Tim. I've got a couch over oh. here. I'm gonna be on it. Anyways, <laughs> yes, it'd <laughs> be great. But I'm doing well, like, and yourself, yeah. sir. I am. I'm well. It is. It is. Yeah. It's been a month and a half, and uh, uh, it's been a while. Lots gone on. Uh, I think our last episode we were talking Picard season three, and, <laughs> and excited to kind of go through so the the doings and goings on in in the world of geekery, uh, starting with our our week in geek. So yeah, I'm 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 excited to get back into it. It's 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 been a while. It's been a while. It it is. I actually did the you? math. And I know yes. that the I know that the maths are not my strong suit, but it actually oh, has been fifty days 
since when, when so, we last released an episode till when this episode will release. So we're 965 away from tying Roman Reigns' title streak, is what you're telling me. <laughs> Um, sure. If you want to describe it like that, hey, whatever. No, no, no. I figured. Figure I mean, they work, only had work, to come up with a new title because they they can't figure out how to get a one belt, let alone both belts, <laughs> off of this sucker. I mean, jeez. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah, it's getting interesting in the WWE. Let me tell you. But before That's we get into that, um, I've been doing. I, I just realized you asked me a question. I've been doing well. Uh, I've been. Yeah. Uh, it's it's been interesting. I've been to Arizona and back. You've been to Dallas and Atlanta. So yeah, we're both well traveled. We're the southern part of the state pretty well. <laughs> southern yeah. part of the country, I mean. Man, we need to some one of us needs to get to Oregon. That's what that's what needs to happen. Oregon or, you know, Washington, perhaps I'll Wyoming. I'll fly there just to get the United Silver Premier status, my friend. I need to get out of group 4. I got to tell you that right now. The rich keep getting four. richer. The rich keep I getting richer. Want to get into richer. 3 at least or 2. So do it. That's right. That's right. But anyways, uh, I'm let's, not uh, humble. You know what? I'm not humble. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm gonna make you, you are do worse it. Than Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Shiki. <laughs> All right. So before we get too too much further into this thing and uh, and diverge even worse than we have before, <laughs> soundboard in <our> shenanigans, <laughs> illustrious history. Uh, let's get into a little. Uh, I mean, we've got a whole lot of stuff to catch up on, but you know, here's stuff that's oh. a little bit more immediate than the stuff that we have been uh, neglecting. Uh, for yes, a little sir. thing that we call the week in geek. The week in So funky. What do you have for us for this episode, kind sir? Well, uh, I've cultivated uh, a, a couple of items, and, and Uncle Todd has contributed uh, some as well. But first and foremost, most timely, most recent is uh, apparently uh, Disney uh, shaking up more uh-huh. than just DeSantis. <laughs> oh! oh, we are we getting uh, political on this on this sucker? No, we're not. We're not. We're moving oh, okay, on. Okay, good. Uh, but they are shaking because we're going to alienate like like half of our like nine fans. Oh, uh, <laughs> which know. is which is going to be rough for that one fan who has to decide they're going to split like an amoeba. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> uh, Disney shaking up their release calendar, uh, and so uh, we yes. th- thought we'd kind of talk about this a little bit. Uh, what I love about this article is, thank you, is. Uh, Based on the the shifts and changes they've made, uh, the article points out in in, in the first paragraph, uh, this is from Variety.com, that uh, at this rate, the fifth trip to Pandora, because apparently we are on a five-movie bender with with, uh, Avatar here, Uh, the fifth movie will most likely be released in 2031. So... Little did I know that Avatar would would be the the franchise that would span you know three decades of my life um, in some well what you don't way. know is Avatar Five is actually Avatar versus the Smurfs that's what it's going to be it's just going to be all all blue creatures that's what it's going to be it's going to be all blue baby Papa Smurf ain't dealing with this junk no more. <laughs> And they're going to remix James Brown. It's going to be instead of Papa Don't Take No Mess, Papa Smurf Don't Take No Mess. And you know what? I'm there for that because that is one of the funkiest songs ever. You drop a a Papa Smurf in there, I'm I'm there. I'll do it. Nice. Absolutely. Ernest the Cat Miller is going to do the new vocals on it. That's, you know. He should. He should. Um, Somebody call my mama. Just to hit. 
just to hit the high points, uh, so there's going to be a live-action Moana that will be released in June, uh, t- June of 2025. Deadpool 3 uh, has been uh, bumped up the roster up to November 8th of 2024. Um, or, or Sorry, moved up from November 8th to May 3rd, 2024. There's going to be an untitled Star Wars movie. Uh, I don't know if this is the Dave Filoni one, um, which... I guess it wouldn't be because that one, I believe, is going to be aired in the Empire is what they're calling that. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll be uh, coming out in 2026. Uh, Avatar 3 this, shifted I mean, to 20. 20- oh, sorry. That couldn't be the Taika movie, could it? I mean, is that still be. on? Um, that's awfully quick. I mean, that's like. I thought so. In, in terms of like a, of like a, unless that's a very, for a Star Wars or like a sci-fi movie, unless it's very CGI light, that's, that's like literally right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, when you yeah. when you think that, about the, the post production schedule, wow. yeah, I mean, All they right. haven't said it's it's been canceled, and there hasn't been much talk about it. So yeah, I do wonder if if it's just moving forward. Um, it can't be the Patty Jenkins thing, quiet. right? Because that got canceled. That got canned. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so it's not it's not the Patty Jenkins one. So, um, hmm. from the Avatar fans, uh, so Avatar three has been shifted to twenty twenty five, uh, December of twenty twenty five. Avatar four is December of twenty twenty nine, and uh, Avatar five is December of twenty thirty one. So, based on this timeline, the final Avatar movie will come. I, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It is not three decades; it's two decades, twenty two years after the original two thousand nine blockbuster. Enough. Still. Uh, to me, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I saw Avatar two; it was it, it, it was good. I, I'll, I'll admit it. It was it was it was a good story. But I'm just I don't know how you're getting five movies out of this. But whatever. Um, well, what I mean, other changes? World worldwide gross two point three billion dollars. <sighs> Doctor, I haven't seen it yet. Rolling over. It's it's one of those weird things. Like Avatar, you haven't seen such, Avatar? I haven't. I, I wow. so here's the thing, Avatar is such a weird thing in that it's it made all the money, mm-hmm. like one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Sequel, yep. one of the highest grossing movies of all time. But I, someone and I, I can't take credit for this take because I I read it somewhere or heard it on a podcast or whatever. It has almost no cultural weight. Like who hmm. talks about Avatar? The same way you talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, even DC has more like yeah. cultural weight, cultural mass, yeah. if you will, like cultural gravity than Avatar does. Mm-hmm. Yet it made all the money. It's the weirdest thing. And even now, even after Avatar yeah. 2, like really, I have not met anybody who's like, dude, Avatar. So like this and that and the other, like. It's 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 like one of those things that everyone's obligated to see, mm-hmm. but yet no one really talks about it afterwards. You know, I, it's it's the oddest I mean, thing to me. Not that I'm trying to criticize the, a movie I haven't seen, but it just doesn't. It seems yeah. like it's there and then it's done. Yeah. No. The 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 first one. I mean, not to justify it or anything like that, but but the first one was good because it it was a a unique and interesting. Um take on what I feel is kind of like the return of the Jedi story with the Ewoks, you know, where, where, where you, where you have the, the, uh, underdog, you know, society that is, is being mm-hmm. overtaken by the industrial, 
you know, con- the 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 industrial military complex that that's basically it's, trying to overtake. It's the, the colonizers. Let's just you know, it's, it's the, the colonizers. colonizers. Fair enough. Which I mean makes um, it basically a cross between Fern Gully and Pocahontas. Well, that's a bit just much. in space. I mean, it's not a bit much. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of the same. Okay, okay. I I point taken. Point taken. But. It, it was good. To your point, though, it is one of those movies that once you get past, you know, 2009 when it, when it was huge, um, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't really like I wasn't clamoring for Avatar 2. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it just wasn't something that, that I was looking forward to. But, you know, it's one of those things that, that I, I don't know if James Cameron is trying to treat Avatar as if it was a Star Wars like franchise. And I don't believe it is. You know, I, I to your point, like I don't I don't feel like it's struck a chord culturally. I, I mean, even though the stories are good and when I saw Avatar, too, I mean, it, it was a good story, but it's not the kind of th- like like there's a how do I say it? It's almost like the. I'm trying to remember how how Bill Simmons would would put it in his, in, in in his like sports guy articles, but there there's certain movies that just hit a a point where if you see it on TV, you know, like Lord of the Rings. If if I come across Lord of the Rings on TV, I'm going to sit down and plop down and watch from wherever it is I am to the end of the movie because it's just a, it's just one of those movies I just love to watch. Star Wars is the same thing. Yeah, Avatar is not who's that the guy. Me. You know who what is I mean? it like? Um, uh, the guy who shoot. It's not Nick Bakai. It's one of those other ESPN guys that went out on his own. It's not Dan Patrick. It's the other guy. Yeah. Uh, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he referred to it as a remote. Are you serious? Yes. I went How have to you not a... gotten him on the show? You've got connections like that, and here we are swinging I... out in the wind. I went to a um, when I first moved out to Chicago. I worked for a company that was doing interactive TV software, and and uh, we went to a trade show where there was a lot of TV personalities there. And Rich Eisen was mm-hmm. one of them, and I got a, a, a signature from him. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. on actually it's on a video a VHS tape which I can no longer play because I have no VHS players in my house. Um, but he signed it uh, because it was basically a. Uh, VHS tape of all of those. Remember when when they used to do all those like this is Sports Center commercials and there were all those like goofy comedy bits with them. Yeah. Um, but I got to meet him, chatted with him. Um, it was during the heyday of Veritech and Tim Wakefield and you know that era of the Boston mm. Red Sox. So we were chatting Red Sox for a little bit because he asked me who you know who who you know who was my team. Great guy. I mean, just. It, it was just the coolest thing to talk. I mean, it was so surreal because you're talking to someone who you've only ever seen. Like, I was a big sports center guy. And so Rich mm-hmm. Eisen was always a face on the TV. So it was, it was surreal. But anyways, um, how did we yeah, get to Rich Eisen dropper. from Avatar? No, because I remember <laughs> one of the, one of the things he was talking about was, uh, I, he was talking about like remote dropper like that. that that's like, a, uh, a you see a okay. movie and you're like, the remote just gets dropped. You're, you're not changing yeah. the channel and you're yep. saying that's, that that's like Lord of the Rings and stuff for you, but not Avatar. And I would agree but, because I've only seen right, the original right. twice, and I feel right. like that's even once too many for me. Like I I saw it yeah. the second time so my daughter could see it, and even she has not asked to rewatch it. We've rewatched Star which, Wars which, which movies, movie? but we've Avatar which, the original. Oh, so you have seen it? Oh, I've I've seen the original Avatar. I haven't seen Avatar <gasps> oh. two. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought I asked you about the first one, and I thought you said you hadn't seen. Oh, okay, so you have no, no, seen no. Avatar. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I think I Got even it. saw it Got in it. theater. 
Um, yeah. But then, uh, you know, a few years ago when we got Disney, I don't know, was it on Disney Plus? Or was it on HBO? One of the it was on one of the streaming services, and I was like, "Oh, you haven't seen Avatar yet? Let's watch that." And yeah. we watched yep. it, and I'm like, "All right," and that was a thing. And and it, and the funny thing was, like, at that age, I want to say, like, she was probably like ten, eleven, and that's that's like still at that height of like kids will watch the same movie over and yeah. over and over again. Like you know, like Cars mm. was a once a day watch for us for like months you know that yep. sort of thing she was still at the tail end of that and never asked to watch it again and, yeah. as, and as far as i know has never watched it again like that that's the sort of thing like it's this weird deal where like avatar yeah. just it's there and it makes all the money and everyone's seen it it's almost like frampton comes alive like everybody owns the album who is alive mm. in the 70s and 80s and yet nobody really brings it up as like one of the top 10 albums of all time even though it sold mm. approximately a trillion copies yeah anyways yeah. i didn't mean to harp on this part of the the disney release calendar it just it yeah just i know i was gonna say i mean we have a whole other like slate of movies to go through here man but yeah <laughs> but but i'm with you because like i as as much as i thought avatar 2 was was a good story and a good movie i just don't know where you're going for for three more story you know three more movies it it just feels like yeah. overkill it's like do a trilogy and be done with it it's like why five it feels like more of an ego project for cameron and he may I, he may not even live that long i mean james cameron's getting up there you know what i mean like well, he's he's not, he's not I mean, a good spring Lord, chicken anymore dude. You're putting him in the grave. My again, like you're willing to kill off well, all the fictional characters and now you're coming for the real people too. Son of a well, bitch. Um, <laughs> Watch out, folks. The Grim Reaper is here. Oh, Good Lord. I think you have something on the soundboard for that. <laughs> Let's see here. Um Oh, uh, let's see what. There we go. That's right. Rest in peace. But All I right. think so. Supposedly, like I, from what I've seen, like there's a, it almost feels like now we're getting like a tour of the different peoples of these planets, and now like the next one is going to be fire creatures because we did water this time, and I'm, I'm guessing yeah. like then yeah. there'll be air creatures, and then we then we tie it all together in some sort. Of, like it's it, it almost seems like it's becoming like a Wikipedia kind of affair. Yeah. <laughs> like we're going. I, and hey, I mean, again, well, and, they're going to keep and, making and these until they don't make all the money and the, they're still making all the money. And I'm curious where when they're going to get to a point of, you know, because because one of the big themes in in these movies is, you know, the, the, the human invasion, the human colonization that happens because of the poor choices that humanity has made on, you know, our planet Earth. And, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of hoping that there is more to the the antagonist side of things than just the usual you know over the top bad guys who are trying to represent the you know the military side of it i mean you can't do that for five movies i mean that's that that just gets old so so i Um, I, I, i'm hoping cameron has something a little more up his sleeve than that so um i don't know how to tell you this sir but i think star wars is on what their 13th movie and that's that's kind of like the the military bad guys over the top general hux palpatine i i don't i yeah, but I, I think there, there there have been different flavors of it though like like this is a a clear you know like in avatar 2 it's a continuation of the human invasion you know what i mean like like yeah. what are you going to do that that for three more movies i mean at least with the imperials it's been slightly different you know 
riffs on that, you know, the first order is a riff on the Imperials, right? I mean, it's a different yeah. version of them. And quite honestly, when I saw Force Awakens and I saw like like the way they portrayed General Hux, who I think is probably one of the most misused characters in that trilogy, I thought they were really trying to build a, a very a much scarier version of the Empire in that movie. Mm. And then they completely just defanged him in, in the next two. I mean, I love The Last Jedi, but I, I hate what they do with Hux because if they oh, turn yeah. him into a freaking comedy bit than 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 a, a villain. Agreed. Um, so no, I'm with you on that. I I I know there's beats there, but I I just I I like. I was thinking about this when I saw Avatar too, which is like, when are we moving away from the evil colonists bit? Because that's mm. only going to play out for so long. You maybe do one more movie with it, but man, for two more after that, it's like, what the what the heck is the antagonist at that point? So I don't know. I don't know. Man, we've gone on for quite some time on Avatar. Should should we move on to, to the Marvel part of this? Yeah, um, let's just yeah, they're shaking up movies. Schedules are are askew. Now, and, and don't forget the writer strike is going on right now, so that's going to impact things even further. You know, because Which, did um, you hear the thing about Ryan Reynolds with with Deadpool three? No. What? So there's there's this thing where now there there was an article. I'll have to see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. Apparently, Ryan Reynolds is not allowed to ad lib while they're filming Deadpool three because that's in production now. Wasn't the entire because, charm of Deadpool? <laughs> yes, but the 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 problem is if Ryan Reynolds were simply an actor on the movie, he could ad lib all he wants. Ryan Reynolds is a is listed as a writer for the movie which oh. puts him wow. he'd be writing new material during a strike so oh it's a God. very interesting sort of thing going on so I, i'll be curious to see how that whole thing shakes out um of, of course the nice part is that when you mm-hmm. think about deadpool it's a mask so they yeah. can go in and you know hopefully after the writers uh, strike gets settled and hopefully the writers get their due which i think they totally should and it's valid that they're striking i'm totally in line yeah. with that yeah he can go back and he can just adr to his heart's content afterwards yeah. you know and it'll be yeah. no big thing uh, but i yeah. thought that was kind of interesting but okay deadpool 3 sorry no it's okay so moving on to marvel uh let's see what what is the reshuffling that is going on there so captain america brave new world is moving to july of 2024 uh that is in turn delaying thunderbolts uh to december 20th 2024 which once again i just want to call out free range idc uh real and jabroni brought out the thunderbolts well before it was ever established it was going to be a movie so i, I want to take some credit for that uh mm-hmm. you uncle todd uh blade uh has been moved to february of 2025 and fantastic four moved to may of 2025 avengers kang dynasty is getting pushed back an entire year to may from may of 2025 to may of 2026 so we're actually not going to get that one coming well and then you have to layer into that the whole like awkwardness that's going on with the guy portraying Kang right now. So, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see where that goes. Um, and then what else? Uh, Avengers Secret Wars is jumping from May 2026 to May 2027. So um, with the addition of, let's see, Star Wars film, it means two movies set in the galaxy far, far away will be released in that year. Separate Star Wars movie has been pushed from 2025, 2026. Another film is set for 2027. So, like, we, we don't really have a sense in, in the Star Wars world of when 
Filoni's heir to the empire is going to air, um, or, or, mm. or come to theaters. Um, you know, to your point, we, we don't know if this is the Taika Waititi movie that's coming out soon, or if it's going to be heir to the empire, but we'll have to see. Um, and then what else does this article have elsewhere? The new alien movie produced by Ridley Scott and directed by, uh, Fetty Alvarez. That'll open on August of 2024. I didn't realize there was a new alien movie coming. Um, hmm. so yeah, so just, just a lot of shuffling going on in the world of Disney. Um, everybody shuffling. Um, but anyways, uh, oh, uncle Todd's busting a move. Look out folks. Oh, I put um, out a hip. I put out a hip. Oh God. Yeah, there it is. There it is. The old uh, when when Shawn Michaels did did the spoof of Hulk Hogan and he's like doing the flexing and then he's like, oh, my back. <laughs> that was Uncle Todd. All Pretty right. Much. Well, anyways, that's Disney shaking up uh, their their release schedule. Uh, we also have uh, next item uh, again with Disney and the Plus. A uh, little bit of a, a a purging going on on the streaming platform. So uh, this is a little bit of a, a, a probably a late story. This is back in May uh, from Collider.com. But uh, Disney is going to be combining with uh, Hulu. Disney Plus will be combining with Hulu at some point in the near future. Um, I like how you, result- you almost called it Hulu. I like I like I, I actually like the name Hulu better than Hulu. I don't know why. It just Hulu? It gives it Hulu. Hulu. It gives it a little extra flair, you know? A little, you know what, little, little, you <laughs> know what Hulu is missing? It's missing the plus. We need to have Hulu plus. It, you know what? We need Ricardo Multibon, like AI generated. <laughs> fine, fine Corinthian leather on the Hulu plus. Hulu from Hell's Heart I spit at thee. Yes! <laughs> Uh, but and then, and then, and then of, Shatner instead of Khan to be. There we go. There we go. There we go. Oh come on! Oh, if of fan. course Paramount would have a problem with that, but you know whatever. Fantastic. Um, mainly this article is getting into the fact that that the plus. Um, you know, all the streaming services are kind of suffering right now. Um, and because of that, I think they are ratcheting down the amount of original content they're generating. They're also um, taking items that they were offering uh, as part of the, uh, you know, streaming service and uh, putting them back in the vault, so to speak. So the Disney vault, I believe, is becoming a thing again, um, mm-hmm. where they're, they're, they're taking some, some items off of uh, the slate uh, and, and putting them away for some later time when they will release them and try to make money on them. So all in all to say, the Palouse, uh trying to cut some costs, but at the same time, uh, you know, just, just trying to stick it to us all because, you know, can't, can't have everything. Can't have everything. Well, I mean, this is kind of the fallout of everyone deciding that they're going to have their own streaming service. You know, it, mm-hmm. it went from like Netflix started this kind of ball rolling when they went from DVDs to everything streaming. And then it all of a sudden it turned into this Oprah thing where it was like, and you get a streaming service and you get a streaming service and you like, and everyone's building, had to put in all the time. And and you know, this with like developing software, developing apps, Mm -hmm. like I'm sure some executives like, well, how hard can it be? And meanwhile, guys like you are like really freaking hard. Please stop whipping us down in the engine room. You know? Yep. Like, I just get a picture of like, you know, the old Ben Hur movie where they're like beating the drum and everyone's got the oars like, you know, and now it's like everybody's trying to figure out like no one stopped to think like, okay, how does this become money? Right. Yeah. 
it was just like build it, build it, build it, build it, build it, and and well, now and, it's like and, everyone's. And again, the the advent of you know the the period we lived through with COVID was just prime mm-hmm. for streaming services, right? Because no one's going out to yeah. theaters or doing anything in public, so of course they're going to thrive. And now that everyone's going back out into the wild, it's like, oh crap, we're losing subscribers. What's going on here? So, but even that, yeah. I would say, I'd say COVID was a, was a double edged sword because it showed yeah. like the value of streaming, but it also completely exposed like okay this is not a moneymaker that we thought it was going to be. Right, right. Because then everyone yep. realized like, oh, when we don't have the theaters, when we don't have this, when we don't have that, all of a sudden now we're just relying on this and there's not that much money to be had from this. And mm. how do you really detect what's making money? What's what's drawing the eyeballs? Like, you know, yep. what was it? The Scorsese movie, uh, The Irishman, which I still haven't seen because I've heard it was just kind of meh. But it's mm. like, Everybody talked about like, oh, it's, you know, it had this many viewers. And then like the metrics come out and like how many of it was like 80% of those viewers watched like the first 10 minutes and yeah. never finished the movie. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, you know, millions and millions watched the entire movie, like millions and millions started the movie and then went meh and turned it yeah. off. So One thing I've I mean, learned... it's not surprising that they're trying to pull yeah. this, like, you know, do the Disney vault and stuff, but it's like, how is that going to work? And are they thinking this through? Or are they just getting scared in the same way that, you know, it seems like the music industry got scared about, you know, Napster and, you yeah. know, the movie studios got scared about home video. Like how much of that mm. is just fear and like knee jerk reaction? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've learned, you know, from the whole experience of experience, sorry, experiment of WWE Network. And now that it's moved on to Peacock is you know, when they first came out, I was like wildly excited by the idea of being able to watch like older, um, you know, just having access to all the older content, you know, like watching the Mm -hmm. pay-per-views, maybe tapping into a Monday Nitro or Monday Night Raw. Honestly, never done it. So Mm -hmm. there's a bit of a fallacy around the, what's called like the long tail content, you know, the content that is like, well, you, you know, it's old and it's not relevant. I think there's a small population that that probably gets into that, but it's not the moneymaker. I think that people thought it would be like like there isn't a there there isn't money or or money to be made in the idea of you have access to this entire library of of content. You know what I mean? It is unfortunately something that you know, given the busyness, I, I mean, can't speak for everyone, but given the busyness of my life, I'm, I'm watching just a few things usually at night before I go to bed. Like I'm not mm-hmm. watching a whole lot of TV. Um, when the weekend comes, I'm out doing stuff, you know, I'm not, I'm not, or if I am just sitting here, it's, you know, playing, you know, a game to relax sort of thing. So, um, so I do think, and that kind of segues nicely into our third weekend geek item, but, um, yes. but yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think the streaming services are, you know, something that isn't going to go away, but I, like you said, I think there's a limit to what they can do from a financial perspective. Agreed. So totally agree. So, yeah. But transitioning to the gaming theme, and this one comes from Uncle Todd, uh, Star Wars Outlaws was announced a couple days ago um, with uh, being highly touted as a game. Uh, the, the the trailer came out. It's on the YouTubes. We'll, we'll post it in the show notes. Um, but that's right. That's right. Makes you humble. Um, and it's your huckleberry. Do it. Do it. Very nice. Um, but, <laughs> Accidentally uh, this game, that one. Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> no worries. Um, <laughs> that game is being highly touted as being, you know, like one of the first Star Wars open world games. And, and Uncle Todd and I in the pre-production meeting were talking about this because I, I'm a big fan of Star Wars The Old Republic, which is a, uh, you know, it's called an MMORPG. It's a massively multiplayer online, you know, role-playing game, um, but has a lot of freedom to it. I mean, the, the way I kind of likened it to, to Uncle Todd is it's very much like Grand Theft Auto for Star Wars. You know, you you have free reign to do kind of go where you want to go and do what you want to do. You can play a story mode, but if if you so choose, you can work on the planetary stories. You can do, you know, ad hoc, you know, missions that that the game provides. Um, but in this so would game, you say it's what- sort of like a would you say it's sort of like Grand Theft Android? Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, hey, very nicely yeah, done, sir. Yeah, nicely sure, done. Sure, yeah. Now, yeah. the one thing lacking from it, though, and I and I mentioned this to Uncle Todd, is you know when you go Strippers. to places like all. <laughs> Good God! Oh, folks, there's Sorry, things that I, I, I missed, and there's things that I could not, you know, I I could do without, you know. <laughs> I got I got really deep into the Jimmy Dice thing there for a second. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, uh, anyways. Yeah. Um, but with uh with Old Republic, you know, when you go to Alderaan, you go to Tatooine, that sort of thing, you you know, not all the buildings are interactive. Um, you know, there is an element of things being, you know, controlled to some degree. Supposedly, according to this director, um, you're going to have options, uh, this game director, you're, you're going to have options to engage with things that are just probably considered side things, you, you know, that, that are part of the game. And, uh, and the example he gave is for, you, you know, if, if you're in like, let's say a city and you see a ship fly overhead and, and go to land, you can actually, you know, engage, you know, run to where that ship lands and engage with that. And there's something that's going to happen there. So I think they've, you know, again, we'll see if it lives up to the hype, but it sounds like it's a game where they're really trying to open up a lot of possibilities, a lot of interaction with things that typically in the past you've not been able to interact with in, in, in you know, the, the more popular Star Wars games. So, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see if it lives up to the hype, but yeah, it looks like a great story. It's it's basically uh, taking place between Empire and Return of the Jedi, and you are playing a character who is uh, really a thief and is trying to basically function within the underworld of the galaxy. And that's that's to me that's kind of a fun a fun area of the universe that's never really been, you know, maybe Book of Boba Fett kind of explored it a little bit, but, but, you know, really the underworld of, of Star Wars has never really been examined very closely outside of, you know, Book of Boba and maybe Solo. Um, yeah. You know, the movie. I think, uh, I think actually Jimmy a little favorite. bit more, I think a little bit more in Solo than, than Book of Boba Fett, even though Book of Boba I, Fett was I, supposed I, to kind of tie into that. I think, I think Solo yeah. actually did it better. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Hundred percent, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So overall, um, looks like an interesting game. Uh, as I mentioned, Uncle Todd, I, I might need to upgrade my 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 gaming PC uh, rig, so to speak. Uh, I have a gaming laptop, and I'm about to max out the resources on said device. So, um, I think a new uh, gaming PC is in order. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. I would give you a but, hard time uh, about your gaming setup, except I would have to ask if I, this is good for like PlayStation One or Atari. So I'm I have no room <laughs> to give you any shade on this, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, and with that, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't ask you. And, and any thoughts on Star Wars Outlaws? Like, what kind of struck you with the whole thing? 
I mean, I did, I think it's a cool concept. Uh, I just I wonder how much freedom you have in it because yeah, and yeah. and also just how big it is because if you're talking yeah. about worlds and then things on that world like i i was a huge what was it grand theft auto 3 what was the breakthrough one where it was i think it was three. I, I think it was yeah and i that was i was so into that like i literally put in like six hours a day on that game just exploring yep. and and trying to beat it and all that and then the next game after that was vice city i mm. believe it was the miami based yep. one yeah. and it the big thing with that was like, oh, and now the game is like four or five times as big. Mm. And it was too big for me. I'm like, mm. I, I can't I can't keep track of this. And yeah. and this is maybe it's yeah. just for me. Maybe it's it's because I'm not meant to be a hardcore gamer, but it was a little bit like, you know, when Madden kind of took a quantum leap forward and we it just hit a point where I'm like, I, I don't have time to do a scouting report on this. I just want to I want to pull up a game and play like I, I don't right. want to have to I don't want to have to like practice in all this. Like, yeah, I, I just wonder how big that world gets before it's just so big that, yeah you know, uh, players are going to lose motivation because there's just so much to do that you're like, I, I don't even know where to start. And you lose interest after a while because you're like, yeah, it's big, but it's the kind of the same old thing over and over again. That's the only yeah, thing I mean, that I would say is kind of a caution flag. Yeah, I, and and I struggle with that too with Old Republic and and the other game I play is Eve Online. And there are people. I, I mean, in Eve Online, that that's a that's a that's a really open world kind of game. I mean, to the point where like the economy of it and some of the materials and things that are used in the game are all like player generated. Like I I mean they've they've done amazing things with that game. A lot of hardcore players, though, they, they organize themselves into corporations and these corporations end up, you know, kind of having some of the larger like skirmishes and wars that happen within the galaxy. I don't understand how people do this, like and, and hold full time jobs. But like when I've read about mm-hmm. like because I've read about like elements of that game and and to your point, like when you play these open world games, it's like, my God, it's like, how do you invest that much time into it and be able to explore it and 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 then spend time with other games, you know, to, to like to your point with Madden, it's almost like, you know, you, you have like your full time job and then, you know, for fun, you play these games. It's like you have to invest all of your time in one game to get really good at it and to really leverage a lot of the value that it brings. And yeah. and, and and that's like what what I am almost on, on my gaming laptop. Like I either play Eve Online or I play Old Republic and maybe I from time to time play Civilization like six that's it. I, I have no other time to do that. You know, like it's just there, there, there is no time for any other games because those are the three that kind of, you know, absorb my time. So, um, so that, well, until star Wars outlaws comes out and maybe I can play that, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it, I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful because of the fact they're stressing the open world aspect of it, that it is going to be, you know, maybe revealing some new approaches to, you know, um, you know, I mean, a gaming in general, but B, you know, the Star Wars universe as a whole. Back in the early 2000s, there was a big MMORPG called Star Wars Galaxies. And when it first came out, it was really revolutionary because you literally could um, it, it was a role playing game. You could choose um, from a variety of races and you could alien races and you could um, basically 
do pretty much whatever you want to do. So if you wanted to go into that game and let's say you settled on a planet and wanted to just open a cantina, that you were able to do that. You could just run a cantina. That's all the, that's, and if that's all you wanted to do in the game, just make money and run a cantina, you could do it. Um, and fans loved it. They, they loved the freedom to be able to do what they wanted to do in that, in that, in that world of star Wars. Later on, like I think two, three years into it, they then switched it over to be very Jedi focused, very, um, you know, kind of leveling up and and trying to, you know, really, I don't want to say pigeonhole things into the Jedi, you know, mode, but it, it, it went very strongly in that direction with, you know, force users and lightsabers and things like that. And I think that's when a lot of players fell away from it. And then it kind of died off, I think, in like 07, 08. Um, so there's been games that have tried to do the open world concept before and have been really successful. But I think the problem is, you know, money wise, it, it may not, you know, similar to the streaming services we talked about money wise, it may not make sense from, from a business perspective because you, you got to be able to make money on these things. And unfortunately, you know, it just doesn't pan out. So true. Anyways, all that being said, uh, looking forward to it. So that my friends, is the long-awaited month-and-a-half Week in Geek. Well, thank you very much, sir. All right, moving now ahead into other matters, we are actually going to try something a little bit different here. Uh, if my phone will work here. We are actually going to go a little, pardon the interruption, a little PTI on this uh, this portion because we just I'm spent going, like 30 <laughs> minutes on the Week in Geek, once again, Tim just an annexing the rest of the show. Eventually, it's going to just be all Week in Geek. I'll have an intro and an outro, and that'll be it. Oh, well, it's the natural uh, yeah. order of things. Uh, so we're right. going to actually, right. since we have, what, one, two, three, we have four, four, count them, um, different sections that we're going to cover now. We're going to give them each 15 minutes, and I've got a timer. We will enforce that, and once we hear... That means that time has expired and that subject will rest in peace. There um, we go. So, starting out, subject number one, and I'm going to start the timer right after I introduce it. We mm -hmm. have season three of The Mandalorian, which just goes to show how damn long it's been since we recorded, because this feel, this feels like half a lifetime ago, sir. <laughs> it, it, it does, yeah. I mean, even Picard season three is like a lifetime ago. Um, oh, yeah. It, it's like but, I, uh, I barely even remember it, so I'll do my best. Um, yeah. But the but, timer uh, starts now. All right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in with my thoughts. Um I thought it was a good season. I think what was, you know, kind of um, what, what, what struck me about, you know, the, the last few episodes, um, especially the last one, was just how really neat and tidy it was. You know, I mean, they're like, like mm. we, we had speculated about, you know, Thrawn potentially appearing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they did show this sort of, you know, shadow council that was forming, you know, that, that Moff Gideon was a part of. And, and you saw Captain Pelion for the first time, even though it was in holographic form, um, which was really cool because, you know, again, that that's like the first like live action, you know, heir to the Empire sort of character, you know, that, that, that we've seen. Um, but unfortunately, it, it really didn't, you know, pan out that way. It was it was just uh you know, really just kind of a very happy ending to kind of the storyline of, of Mando and Grogu in a way, you know, um, and, mm. and 
you know, I, I, I liked how they built up to it in the last couple episodes. Um, it really became kind of a story of Bo Katan's ascension and, and almost like restoration um, to being, you know, leader of the Mandalorians. Um, and then it was Mando kind of, you know, taking Moff Gideon on head on and, and, and really kind of, you know, trying to close that chapter. Um, and I say trying, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment, but, uh, but yeah, it just, it felt very uncharacteristically, you know, clean the way it ended. And mm. it, it was a happy ending, but it just felt weird. You know, like it just, I was expecting more for some reason, but, um, but, uh, yeah, there's but yeah, not much I mean, of a, yeah. not much of a cliffhanger, is there? No, no. I mean, very different from season two. I mean, the, the whole Luke, showing up in the show was mm. just such a mind blowing experience. Like you're just like, they're not really doing this and they did it. Oh that yeah. It was, and, and they weren't going to duplicate it. I mean, you know, you, you can only pull tricks like that once or maybe twice at most. So I knew it wasn't going to be something like that, but the thing that would have blown my mind was just them teasing Thrawn, you know, like just Thrawn making an appearance and, 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 you know, being becoming this real part of the live action universe. Um, but when that didn't happen, it was just, it, it felt kind of flat to me a little bit, but at the same time, when you think about how the story started in season one, it makes sense. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with, with the gunslinger and, you know, kind of the adopted child that he's taken on just having a quiet existence. You know I mean? That's not a bad thing. Um, it's just not the thing that, you know, as fans, we were kind of hoping for knowing that Thrawn is coming. Um, so so that was my thing. But, you know, I didn't have as much of an issue of, you know, there's an episode where Jack Black um, and I'm forgetting. Oh, my gosh. I'm forgetting her name. Uh, she's a musician. Lizzo. And Lizzo. Thank you. Uh, and Christopher Lloyd were, were part of one of the last couple episodes. Um, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought it was actually kind of I, it was kind of telling or or, or proper that, that Jack Black was was Captain Bombardier or whatever his name was. I mean, that, that, that just feels like yeah. a really Jack Black kind of character, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But but I love that they brought him in. I love Tim Meadows was part of it. I thought that was great to, to bring him in. Yes. I, I mean, it was fantastic. So I, I think if only, if only overall, he could have said perspectives just once. Could that would that have would that have killed him? Just, 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 just a look at, 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 at the, uh, you know, the, the chips officer of, of the galaxy and say, it's, it's, uh, 4 15 AM and, uh, we're talking perspectives. <laughs> that, oh, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what you're telling me is, um, you need some, uh, some people there on the outer rim. Well, um, let some me tell you a little bit about yeah. the about the outer rim because the latest man knows oh we, we're talking about space oh i'm sorry <laughs> it's not hard I was, to go I, from the ladies man into dusty roads by the way no i found myself <laughs> heading that direction i was about hard going time, to the outer, the outer rim. rim it's hard times in the outer rim hard times hard time you're trying to run a cantina you're just trying to make your your rent you're just trying to make sure that the the, the oh, pirates don't come. it's hard time Hard time. The American oh Dean Dusty Rhodes come out there and he'll straighten things out. I don't know oh where we're gosh. going with this. Well, but no, I agree. Fair, I, I in, think in all of those things you, were. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah. I agree with you. You know, uh, in a way, now that there's been, I, I, I did feel let down. I, I, I can't mm. deny that yeah. I felt let down watching the getting to the end of the season finale. 
and none of the things that we were kind of hoping for, you know, the seeing Thrawn or any of those things or even Ahsoka or, or whatever, none of those things came to pass. And I did feel let down, but now that I've had some time to think about it, there's been a little bit of room to breathe, which, you know, like, like we said in, in internet years, this feels like it's been about a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I kind of, I kind of appreciate the fact that they were like, you know what? We, like you say, you can't do a Luke Skywalker season finale every time. That's you, you get that. Yeah. That's there's one bullet in that gun and that's it. They fired it. Mm-hmm. And damn, I, I mean, if you're going to fire it, they hit the damn target bullseye on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the fact that they were just like, you know what? No, this this is a Western. And if anything, that's kind of like one of the Western endings, like the mm-hmm. gunslinger hangs up his guns and can ride off into the sunset. And this is that version yeah. of that. And I appreciated that. The fact they're like, we're not going to try and duplicate it. Because if they had brought out Thrawn, if they had teased him, Mm. or even if they'd done like the grand intro, it would have been trying to top season two or equal it. And you're not going to do that. You're just not. You have a you have a better than average chance with Thrawn just because he's so beloved by a lot of hardcore Star Wars fans. But let's face it, there's a lot of folks who watch Star Wars who wouldn't have any idea who the hell Thrawn was because they haven't read the Mm -hmm. books. Yeah. So it's not going to have the same cachet and weight as, as Luke Skywalker. I appreciate yeah. the fact they went a different direction. Um, I even appreciate the fact that it was very, this season, and one of the criticisms that was, was rampant on the, on the interwebs, and one of the reasons why, God, I just, sometimes I just want to, I want to line up all the, all the Star Wars fans in the world and just do like one big stooge slap, like down the whole line, <laughs> you know, like. Like I like sometimes listening to folks online, I'm like, now I understand why Mo was always so mad, you know, Um, just the fact that like, oh, Amanda was like he was like a supporting character in his own show. Like, shut up. How how much were people crying for Bo-Katan? And now we're getting more of that story, more Mandalorian, more. And now you're going to whine about it. Like, I had no problem with that. Like, I'm and let's just address you know the the elephant in the room yes i'm totally in the bag for katie sackoff and i would have been Mm -hmm. fine if it was like the mandalorian featuring bo katan and that's a subtitle of the season i'm okay with that fine bring it on um i but i I, but i think it was was merited you know yeah and and just to jump in real quick like i appreciated the fact they didn't spend the entire season with him cleansing himself or whatever he was supposed to do Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they, they knocked that out pretty early in the season and this season, when you look back on it, is really the restoration of the Mandalorian culture, you know, and, yep. and people. And and I think that's a that's a great story to tell. Um, and it I, wasn't and, Mando's you know, story. Right. And, and I'm speaking he's, as someone who's in it, the long game. But it's not his main story. Right. And I, I'm in the long game for Star Wars. Like, I, I love the fact that they're trying to do kind of a Marvel approach to Star Wars where... You know, we, we we get a stretch with Mando. Now we get Bo-Katan. We get the Mandalorians kind of reformed um, and, and on their planet. And now where is this going next? You know, like Thrawn is coming in. We're going to have the Ahsoka series. Who knows if that's going to really be like multiple seasons or not? You know, maybe it's just a, a vehicle to tell a story to get us to Heir to the Empire, which I think is going to end up being an Avengers-like movie for Star Wars where we're going to get the, the the culmination of all the heroes coming together um, to take on this this strategic genius who is 
unlike anything we've ever really seen in the Star Wars universe because the Imperials are all stupid. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought that was uh, like, I like the pacing of the season. I think w- our preconceptions of where it was going, you know, may have clouded our vision a little bit, but you know, if, if I stack this against Picard season three, I think Picard is stronger, but I think this is a still, this is still a, a good outing for, for Mandalorian. It just wasn't maybe as, as strong or as memorable as season two was. And like I said, you can't, you can't duplicate that. Do it. You can. Uh, yeah. I, I think right on. And you have to take the story where it's going. And, and in some ways, there was also another story that I read that was like, is this a was this a quiet or subdued series finale, like yeah. an unannounced series finale? Like, are we now like is is Mandalorian uh, is Din Djarin being put out to pasture? If it is, you I know, read there's going to be a season four. So I, and, and you were doing the stone cold hands. So I, I that's got to be the truth. I was a little snug. I was a little snug. I'll admit it there. Um, <laughs> Which, but the thing is, I think it in in some and and when I first read that, I was like, yeah, totally, it could be. But now that I've mm-hmm. again had a little bit more time to think on it, yeah. no, actually, it sets up a season four. That now you, because everything was leading to like Mando riding off into the sunset. Like there was no more reasons for him to be that guy that he had been. Right. He was running out right. of those reasons. Season four would have to then be, okay, what is the reason to get the gunslinger to come back? Mm-hmm. Like now we're we're out right. of like the 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 dollars trilogy, you know. We've mm-hmm. gotten through the good, the bad, and the ugly, fistful. We've gotten through all those. Okay, now season four could be unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it take to get that guy mm-hmm. back? And yep. I don't know. This might not be good for Grogu because <laughs> what would it take to get Mando back? I, I don't know. But that could be a whole other launching point for the next, you know, the next story for this character. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I, I think it was a hell of a hell of a series, hell of a season. And, you know, it was an unexpected ending, but I, I think it was a good one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, 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 the one disappointment I have is we had it was either episode three or four where we saw that exchange where, you know, Bo-Katan and Mando were, were going back to her castle. They get into an entanglement with some intercept, some tie interceptors. They, they knock them off. There's an, another wave that comes through. They knock that off. And then there's a third wave that comes through the way that played out was so Thrawn-esque that mm. to me it, and, and we talked about this in prior episodes, I was so waiting for, his debut because I thought he would be the puppet master behind all of that. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the way that played out is, a, is, is just exactly how Thrawn is in the books where there's a lot of indirection going on with the way he plays things out. And, and, and that's what they showed. And to credit that to Moff Gideon just feels irritating to me because because his character isn't isn't him you know what i mean like gideon is a good villain but he's not a he never struck me as as a wise strategist um you know he he was always being you know kind of confounded by by mando and so i i was a little disappointed with that but 
setting that aside, we, we know we're getting Ahsoka in August. We'll get Thrawn then. And, you know, hopefully, however they realize him in live action, you know, lives up to the hype. So we'll see. We'll I see. would disagree but, a little bit. I didn't think it was that uncharacteristic for Gideon because he, he again, I mean, even even given his shortcomings and, you know, mm-hmm. of course, he got he got himself cornered by the the coalition of the willing uh, at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. But he had he had out he had managed to out corner them a few times. Yeah. And it was only by the skin of their teeth and some unconventional thinking that they got away. So I I kind of appreciate the fact that that at this point now we are looking at Moff Gideon as definitely the second most competent uh, imperial mm-hmm. behind Thrawn. Yeah. Maybe Pelion, I guess. I mean, you I mean, you guess you, you kind of give him the nod as like one A because, you know, there's not that many. Right. But I, I kind of I kind of like the fact that they that tease because I think there's a lot of people who thought, oh, yeah, it's got to be Thrawn. No, right. it's Gideon. Well, right. he's got to be somewhat competent. You know, it's he's nice managed to, to get the this appetite. point. It was a nice way it to whet the appetite. Absolutely. Um, and I am all for wetting of the appetite. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what was the last thing I was going to mention? Um, I don't know, but you got 38 seconds. Give me a moment. So we talked about Thrawn. Uh, um, you don't got a moment. You got 30, 30 seconds. I don't know what I was going to say. I thought it was a good season no, overall. God, please, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a good outing and, you know, very hopeful for a Mando season four, hopefully opening up a different story. You know, like I, I think we need to move away from, you know, it just being about him and Grogu. And, oh, I remember what I was going to say, uh, read some theories that Moff Gideon uh, getting killed was one of his clones. And so we may see him come back again. Which is ironic, hmm. given the sound we just heard, because that is the Undertaker's, you know, mo. So <laughs> he, he does not rest in peace back. until he cannot function anymore, and now he is resting in peace. So, All yes. Right. All right. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Not we're not necessarily going in chronological order because I'm not sure which of the which of the two here of our next subjects have uh, come along, but. We will go with volume three first. So, sir, what are your thoughts? Because you saw this a few weeks ago. I just saw it this afternoon. Yeah. Um, really a pleasure to watch and, and, and a real stark um, example of great storytelling compared to Ant-Man 3, unfortunately. Um mm. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I liked how they centered the story around um, Rocket. I like how um, they, you know, we all knew coming into this, this was going to be the last Guardians movie. And, and the fact that they really played up, there, there was a lot of, of play up of emotion in, in the movie. And especially, you know, toward the end when they kind of go their separate ways, but yet the Guardians still, exist they're just in a different form um you know i thought i I thought was really well done and and i thought it was a great you know continuation of storytelling from going all the way back to avengers endgame where uh, or avengers infinity war where you know um what's her name um zoe saldana um what's her character's name gamora thank you you know where where gamora was killed um 
you know, I think it was it was great to show the effects of that on uh, you know on Chris Pratt, uh, on Chris Pratt's character, um, and 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 I like the fact too that even though there was the other timeline, Gamora, they didn't go the route of it being about them getting back together. It was a she is just a different person and he's a different person and he needs to go kind of take care of some things within himself that he hasn't addressed yet. And, and I thought that was a great, great theme for, for the story to, to have it be about kind of that, that self healing, um, you know, rocket went through that himself. He finally came to some acceptance of who he was. You know, I thought at the end when he rescues that, that whole glut of, of raccoons um, as, as goofy as that may sound, um, you know, I read an article that even, that even talked about it. Like, you know, he, he, his character always didn't want to accept who he was. And then he finally did. And, and mm. I thought that was, that was a great, you know, great storytelling device to show his character's growth, um, in accepting who he is and also, you know, kind of bringing to an end the, the person who created him. Um, you know, I thought, I thought they came up with a, with a great villain who was really just a temporary villain in the context of that story. Um, with with the evolutionary um and and the fact that he was basically driven mad by the fact that one of his creations was smarter than him and and mm. and outthought him um i thought so, that was so a I very think, nice touch what's that i thought that was a very nice touch of absolutely of that being, yeah i, I mean that, that's it, what it, i mean there, he wasn't there was just depth a... to the storytelling you know and 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 i really appreciated that and that's where guardians has always kind of blown me away is on the surface, it seems like something that should have been like they should have been the weakest link in the Marvel franchise, and yet they come across as some of the deepest storytelling. You know, between Guardians, Guardians Two, with it being you know the father son dynamic, and then Guardians Three with the whole inter interplay between you know Rocket and and his creator was really well done. I I just I was really surprised by it. So, anyways, I've babbled on enough. What did you think, sir? I think it comes. I, I agree with your points. I think it comes down to to go to your point of um, being better than Ant Man three. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a step up, but it's because of character. Um, the the focus on character and the way that these characters have been fleshed out. Even even a character like Drax, who is not exactly the deepest of characters, mm-hmm. but there's you don't need to give every character like this in-depth you know moments throughout you just need to give them enough to to know who that character is and to to believe that that character exists within that universe and that people actually and uh that they care about that character in that universe that that Mm -hmm. character has again going back to that character has some weight in that universe they take up space they're not just a cardboard cutout and even though drax is not the most important character in all of these movies his interactions with the other guardians mm. make you believe that he is part of that team, that he is, he is part of that dynamic. Um, and the characters seem true to themselves. Um, and and, and I've, I've appreciated that. And that's why to me, it's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a better movie than Ant-Man three, because the thing that, that doesn't work as well in Ant-Man three is the fact that Wasp was never really fleshed out as a character. Mm. Um, Hank Pym, I mean, you you buy that character mostly because of the actor playing him. Let's let's face it. If it was anyone else except for Michael Douglas, you'd probably we'd probably fart all over that character. But because it's Michael Douglas, yeah. and Michael Douglas actually does a pretty damn good job with what he's given, 
you buy him. Um, mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer's character, I don't, I don't buy as much there. Even though, again, I don't think Michelle Pfeiffer did a bad job acting in there. I think she actually did a great job with what she was given, but they they didn't give that character all that much. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel that Scott Lang was. You know, I, I just felt like it was a misuse of those characters going into that whole thing. It, it wasn't was the right story ending. to tell with those. Well, but it wasn't. It wasn't that the right story to tell. Very with those strange two. ending to it. So sorry. Yes, and and it was also they were trying to force some of that Ant Man tone in there where mm. it just wasn't. It wasn't that set of characters. It wasn't that kind of movie. You know. Yeah. Um, whereas this, this was very much that kind of movie because, you know, they'd, they'd shown that even though guardians are goofy and it's very music centric and it's, it's all these things, mm-hmm. but right from the very beginning, that movie demonstrated heart yeah. right from the start. Like it, it showed you, like, we are going to tug on your heartstrings. Like this is going to have depth. Right from the beginning, there's when you several see times the it was it was getting a dust it was getting a little dusty in the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean even several like Guardians times. One, like the, the the beginning of that movie is Peter Quill's mom dying. Yeah, and and him and and yep. the whole that whole trauma and then him getting abducted. Yep. Wow, yep. that's not how you expect that goofy ass movie to start out. So yep. it starts it get, it sets that tone right away. Um, I thought it was really good. Uh, the funny part is, uh, I missed. I, I still don't know what happens pre uh, uh, credits um, before before Radiohead's uh, creep starts playing um, mm. because I was late to the movie. I was I was in the middle of a couple things. I made a last minute decision to get to the theater, and then I was delayed. Dedication to the show, baby. <laughs> and the well, not so much dedication because I was delayed getting into the movie because I the 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 theater that I went to see this in has a has a pizza restaurant attached to the front of the movie theater and i was Good trying Lord. to sneak in a pizza into the theater um and Only so Uncle Todd i was told by to like pilfer a pizza into the into the theater that, that, that is yeah, fantastic and the two teens who are working the the snack bar uh to basically would not let me through like uh totally yeah. velvet yeah. roped me and i had to go out to my car put the pizza there um it was still good. Uh, luckily, it was warm enough. That it, but yeah, I was I was thwarted. You couldn't hide in my it in the jacket or anything. I mean, just just couldn't no, sneak it in. I don't in have that a way. jacket. It was actually nice out today here in Maine for a change <laughs> instead of like fifty degrees and rainy. So um, I missed that, and then uh, and then I had to pee so bad after I finished that movie, and I'm like, okay, there's got to be a post credit scene. Uncle Todd is a weak bladder. I think I can manage to get <laughs> to the bathroom and back before the mid credit scene, and I missed most of the mid credit scene. So I was like, "Oh god!" So I feel like it was an. It's kind of an incomplete. Um, but yeah. overall, I thought it was. I thought it was a, a really good movie. Um, it's funny to me the difference between uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three mm-hmm. and the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, and what I'm very curious to see how things will go with the DC universe with with James Gunn uh, with his Kevin Feige hat on at the helm because I thought Guardians Three was so much better than The Suicide mm-hmm. Squad, and it makes me wonder just how much you know if if a an unfettered James Gunn is really going to do the things that we are expecting. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I have a little cautionary tale there and a little kick at DC uh, because that's what I do. But overall, I thought it was I thought it was really good. I agree with you on Gamora. I think it was great that they focused on things that way. I got to be I got to tell you, I was very uncomfortable for a long period of that movie when we were on the the, the headquarters that is like the everything is like uh, like grown and it's tissue and everybody's touching mm-hmm. things that are like, you know, like they put their hand in the thing and it like it's like jello and it goes in there mm-hmm. and all the suits are like all squishy and stuff. Yeah. I'm just like I'm feeling very uncomfortable with the sounds and the sights of like everything being like blah, blah, especially like when they're cutting I, into the thing and it's like a big old a, flat oh I thought they oh. did a great job with you know kind of communicating not through words but through imagery and 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 I mean a little bit through words and emotion but like that like that whole scene when rocket comes back after being augmented and he's talking mm. to his prison mates about how it hurts. Oh, like, gosh, like, that's heartbreaking. There, there was something with the way they did that where it, it really hits you. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, you yeah. really feel, even though you know it's like a fake. You, you know this 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 is a fictional character. You feel it. You know what I mean? And 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 you really feel for him. Um, you know, you mentioned well, because it's, and, it's a child. It's a child. Right. I mean, it's it's right. a it's a it's a sentient talking raccoon child, right. but it's a child. And if you're a parent or if you've been around kids, like that idea, like that's all they can tell you is hurts. Right. Like yeah. that's all they can communicate because they can't yep. verbalize like why it hurts and how it hurts and, and the, the emotional yep. hurt and all that. And oh my gosh, like it hit that point. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to start yeah. crying in the theater, you know, and I, I was hangry like, anyway. Like I so I mean, I, oh. like, I don't know if it, it, it's a parental thing or something else, but it, 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 it just, yeah, there was something about it where like it even hit me, you know, and, and I was just like, mm. man, they, they, they did such a great job with that. The other thing too, that, that hit me was, um, you mentioned Drax and, you know, two things. One, I, I thought it was very apropos poor, poor Dave Batista. I mean, he's pushing 50 at this point. And thankfully they had him wearing like full, full body uniform. So he doesn't have to walk around, you know, trying to sport the physique anymore. You know what I mean? Um, but, but what I really like what they did with him in, in the movie is bringing his character back to his roots of, you know, his, his whole vengeance against Thanos was mm. because Thanos killed his wife and his daughter. And yeah. I thought it was really apropos for his character to be the father figure for that group of children and to know how to communicate with them. And when that happened, I I mean, and that was even emotional in a way, because when you, when you think about his character and what his character has been through and what he was, you know, motivated by how appropriate now that he finds purpose in being that father figure for a whole group of other children. I mean, I thought that was just brilliant storytelling. Like what a great way Mm -hmm. to close the loop with him Um, to to bring him into a family setting where he can be a father again, even though it's not, you know, his physical children, but he's, he's now a father, not just to one, but to many and, and, and knows how to relate. I, I just, I love it when 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 people who are in control of these stories and producing them do it justice and do the characters justice. And like you said, it was character driven and they stayed true to the characters and they did a fantastic job. So I I, I really enjoyed it. And and not that I, I don't want to say that it surprised me because I thought it would be bad. It just surprised me in just how how much they honored the characters and really brought the story to a, a, a great conclusion. And yet 
you know, the guardians go on, they just go on in a different form. And, and so I, I, I thought that was great. So I agree. Uh, all, all in on that. How, how are we doing on time? We have a minute and a half, but I'm. All right. There we go. We'll, 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 <laughs> Uncle Todd's we calling get, it. He doesn't get that get opportunity very often, but when he does, he well, takes advantage of we've it. Got, we've got 90 seconds that we'll be able to spot to another subject if we need to go into a All little right. OT. All, All right. right, so next up, we're going to talk about, oh, this one kind of hurts. <laughs> Sweet, sassy, molasses. The Boston oh Celtics God. wilting to the Miami Heat. Oh. Oy, as Krusty would say, uh, this one was rough. <laughs> what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts? Ironically, we lost power that night. I, I started watching the game with my son, and, and they were up by like 10 points, the Celtics. And then the power went out and we had power out for probably about another two and a half hours. So when, when it came back on and it was quarter number four and they were down by like 20, I'm like, what the heck happened? But, mm -hmm. um, but I want to take this moment not to, not to rant on the Celtics, but I want to rant on, on some of my neighbors because <laughs> almost, like almost like as a PSA here for, 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 for the community of idiots that listen to this. Uh, I, I just want to let you know that when the power goes out, let the power company employees deal with it, please. And don't do, do not follow them around. When, when I was sitting out on my patio, cause it, it was a, it was a very nice, comfortable, comfortable evening for us to sit out on the patio. I'm sitting here and I'm watching, you know, my, my, my neighbor to my, to, to, to the North of me and neighbors within our townhome association following the energy you know, company employees around, like as if they're going to somehow, their presence is somehow going to solve this power outage. I'm like, leave you these people alone. Hogan. Yeah, thank you. You are worse than Hulk Hogan. Damn right. Good God. <laughs> I sat there and I'm like, why are you following them around and pestering them? Leave them alone. Let them do their jobs. The power will come on sooner without you there. Well, anyways, mm -hmm. that's what I had to deal with. But when it came back on, um, here, here's here's where I saw kind of warning signs. The prior series when they won and Jason Tatum had that phenomenal game, it was mm. all foundationally based in three point shooting. Mm -hmm. And I am five foot ten. I have no place to stand here and preach to people about how basketball should be because, quite frankly. I was a very mediocre player. I did play at some point. Um, I do enjoy the game, though. But I enjoy the game because when I watched it back in the 80s, you know, the Boston Celtics team that I watched would would penetrate into the paint, and they would, they, they would force, you know, layups. They would force short, you know, kind of short-distance shots. I love Larry Bird doing the three points as well. But Larry also shot within, you know, you know from, from, from within the three-point line. Tatum's, you know, heroics was all based on that three-point shooting. And that three-point shooting, sadly, is is inconsistent. You know, like, mm -hmm. if you're going to base your entire offensive strategy on nailing threes, you better have sharpshooters that can hit it 90% of the time every game. And that just isn't realistic. And I think that's what came back to haunt the Celtics. Um, it, it, it absolutely drove me nuts. I was out 
visiting my my family in in New Hampshire uh, in April. I watched a game with with my father. I was cursing the television, watching the way that the Celtics and the Celtics lost. They, they they were just shooting threes from all over, didn't penetrate at all, just resigned themselves to the three point line, and they lost. Uh, and, and and the game was within striking distance. They 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 were within three to five points, but every time they took a three, ended up in a rebound. Opposing team scores. Now it's seven. Now it's nine. Now it's eleven. And it just it drives me nuts. I, I've seen this with the Bulls too out here, when when they had Kirk Heinrich and 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 you know a, a glut of other great players, and they played around the perimeter and they didn't try to penetrate. Um, it just it frustrates me to no end, and so, um, so it doesn't surprise me that they lost. I thought it was it was very cool that they they made a comeback. I was hopeful they they, they were they were going to be the first team to to you know pull the three zero you know kind of comeback story, but unfortunately, I I just think uh, you know I think Tatum you know unfortunately got injured early in the game with his ankle. Um, and, and I think they, they ended up trying to play it more safe than, than to really kind of take it to the heat. And so they, they ended up on the losing end of it, but it it was a disappointing loss nonetheless. And, and it shouldn't have been by as much as it was, but, you know, again, when you sit back, you know, 20 feet out from, from the basket and just keep hurling up balls, hoping that it's going to go in, what are you going to expect? You know, but what's your thoughts, sir? So just to recap for uh, for our listeners, uh, the man they call Tim, yes. big fan of the of the penetration, and doesn't like it when you just keep throwing up the balls. <laughs> that, that, that is an appropriate summary, but taken out of context. <laughs> um, my thought is. Uh, and I posted this on Facebook the day after. Uh, you live by the three, you die by the three. Uh, Amen. Because if you, the problem being, it's not that you have to have the shooters who can hit like 90%. You just have to have a lot of guys yeah. who can hit three-pointers pretty consistently. Like yeah. you need to have a glut of three-point shooters so that when one or two of them cools off, you have others who can step in and hit that shot. If you only have a couple... It's like any kind of, um, you know, like any kind of any of these powerhouse teams for regular season that that can they can make their way through the season and they can feast off of the lower echelon teams, the weaker teams and pad their win total. And then mm. they'll get exposed. And, and you see this in the yep. NFL, especially where it's one and done. You can get exposed really quick for a team that seemed unbeatable in the yeah. regular season but all of a sudden your offense does not work as well when you're in a do or die game and the other team has your number and is a much better defensive team or an offensive team than what you faced all season or if they can just do something really well that you're not as good at now yeah i think it's perfectly warranted that you you're a three-point shooting team but you also have to be able to do something else and that goes to your point on penetration like Yep. You have to eventually, if you if you're going to be a three point shooting team, great, but you get you better be able to do at least one other thing, you know, and that has to be either you have to be an absolute stone cold killer shutdown defense when you need to, or you have to be able to you know to get a couple people down in the paint and get some points, you know, down and dirty, some mid range shooting. You need to get some layups. You need to be able to work the ball in, and they just didn't do it. 
Yep. And and unfortunately, it was even it was amplified by the fact that, you know, they were missing threes and then the Heat were hitting threes. So now, right. I mean, it's not just a three point loss. Now it's a six point swing. Yeah. You know, whereas before, at least if you hit a two, if you're hitting a couple twos and they're hitting threes. All right. Well, you're now you're you're only getting, you know, you're only getting knocked off by one each time. But when right. it, you're like you're at a deficit of three each time. Oh. You can't, there's nothing you can do there. And, you know, I get like the, the Tatum's ankle became like the story a millisecond after it happened. That's no excuse. Like you, you have to be able <laughs> no. to do something else. You have Absolutely. to be able to. And and unfortunately, they were, they were in with a coach who was inexperienced, in over his head. The The level of experience of the coach did not match up to the level of experience of the players. And I think he could, he, he, he may very well go on to be a very good coach to a great coach. But was not able to 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 get his team to do something else and and have a plan in place um he was not bill belichick here he was mike martz he mm-hmm. was he was just going to he was just going to push through his idea because he didn't have another one i'll you know and that and, I mean, and unfortunately I'll, that's going to kick your butt every time i'll i'll argue a little bit on you know his ability to get them through because because they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, you know that's no small feat. So, no, no, I, and and I think it's and, it's and, well warranted. What I mean is he wasn't able to get them. He what he didn't have a backup plan. Like okay, if we go into this do or die game seven elimination yeah. game yeah. for a chance to get to the NBA Finals and our three pointers are cold, we need to have something else. Like the, I forget what right. the guy's name was. Um, was it like Richards the third or something like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, big dude came off the bench and he started getting a couple of those buckets under the under the under the basket. He started working it in a little bit. It's like okay, why wasn't this a thought? Like why wasn't this yeah. Plan B? It didn't even feel like there was a Plan B. Watching right. the game, right? It felt like okay, if we can't do it this way, well, too bad. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's um, just the merit of a, of an experienced and 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 you know, well-tenured coaches that they're like, okay, I've got plan a that I'm going to focus on, but I've got plan B and I've even got a plan C kind of in my head that Mm -hmm. if I really need to fall back on something, maybe I can, I can swap that in. It really didn't feel like there was any plan B. Yeah. And, and, and that's fair because I, I feel like, um, you know, for, for what ended up happening, like it was interesting. I was chatting with someone at, at the gym I go to and, they and and I agreed, you know, I agreed with them that whatever ended up happening with that series, whether it was Miami advancing or Boston advancing, they were going to fall to Denver. And and you know, we're recording tonight, and I think it was last night that last night or two nights ago, Denver, you know, won the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. Um, they Denver was clearly the better team. Um, I, I don't know that the Celtics would have done better against them, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I think you know the fact the Heat were able to defeat the Celtics, um, you know, shows that they were the better team, but mm-hmm. clearly, um, you know, had, had they advanced and, and Tatum, you know, injured or not injured, like you said, there, there's no backup plan, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, I, I got the feeling the team had a scrappiness to them, but there's a point I think when scrappiness kind of falls apart, you know, and, and especially when you're facing a team that, you know, just has, you know, fundamentals and just has, you know, str- strength in, in, you know, core areas of the game. Um, the teams I enjoy, you know, I, I, 
I know you joked about it, but I'll say it again. I mean, teams that I enjoy watching are teams that take chances and drive it into the hoop. They 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 penetrate into the paint and mm-hmm. they try to score two points consistently because in the end of the day, that's the thing that's going to end up giving you, you know, the victory is when is is just putting up points. The more points you put up, yep. the more, you know, the closer you are to winning. You try to sit back and try to just lob up threes and hope for the best. You know, you're sure you you might you might have a great game and land it and win, but you know, unless you have consistency, it just, it, it's, it's difficult for it, for it to always pan out. So, um, yeah. so it, it was unfortunate. Um, I, I, I had thought the team, you know, given the performance to get to the place where they were in a game seven, I, I just, I thought the team could pull it off, but, uh, so I, I was a little surprised by the result. But at the end of the day, like you mentioned, I think it just exposed weaknesses that existed within the Celtics, and and they they deserve to get bounced by by a better team, team that was more prepared. Yeah. I go back to uh, the Bruins when they won the the cup now many years ago, yeah. Um, and everyone talked about you know uh, Claude Julian. Oh well, he's got a system. He's got a system. He's got a system. And yeah, that system got him a Stanley Cup. However, that system also apparently relied on having the best defensive player in the NHL playing on your team at his peak, and also having uh, a goaltender have one of the all-time great seasons anyone has ever had, and and probably mm-hmm. the best uh, playoff uh, you know run that any goaltender has ever had. Um, and Hey, if you can have those two things happen every year, you can win. It's like, it, it becomes like, okay, but what is a high percentage, you know, plan? And that's when you look at something like the Patriots, whether you love it or not, you know, when the Patriots had Brady for that, that 2001 to 2020 ish run, their method of going about business and their their method of going about business uh, with players or even on the field was high percentage. And you yep. can say that by the fact that they played in almost 50% of the Super Bowls mm-hmm. during that time. I mean, that's yep. an unreal amount of, 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 of success. Yep. And you can say, oh, well, they lost. It's like, oh, well, yeah, but they were there. Yeah. You, the, the three-point thing is great except that it is a lower percentage shot. No matter how good your team is at shooting threes, it's mm-hmm. never as good as it is at shooting twos. Why? It's closer. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, they also just, it, 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 you could tell it wasn't necessarily going to be their night. Um, gosh, what, uh, again, like uh, the point guard's name, uh, who did a hell of a uh, job trying. Don't remember, sorry. Yeah, uh, did a hell of a job trying to pick up the slack from from Tatum and was uh, was actually trying to penetrate and, and get those buckets every time he got fouled, man, that never dropped. It, it was never yeah. a chance for a three point play. And that just comes down to sometimes it's ju- it just ain't your night when those when those shots are just bouncing out or bouncing off the rim or just not falling. So you don't have a chance Marcus of getting Smart. like that. And no, 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 no. Um, the other dude, um, you know, because Marcus was was shooting plenty of crappy three. He was definitely playing, doing his job as Antoine Walker version two point uh, in that game. As far as like, mm-hmm. would you just get down there and you're not going to hit one. You're not. You just drive, would you please? Um, and we're about to run time, but I'm going to go into the ninety seconds here overage. But uh, but no, it, he just it never. Those shots just didn't sink. 
And yeah. yeah. That was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're not helping yourself, but this just might not be your night too, because that's that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Agreed. The Undertaker is all spoke. right. Yes. Oh yes. Um, oh yes. Um, now on to our final subject, and uh, this isn't a happy one. Uh, no. Although I guess in a way it could be considered happy because I mean, good Lord, who would have ever pictured this man making it to this point uh, when you consider his, his career in life. Um, but now we're going to bid a fond farewell, rest in peace, respect the legend, respect the iron Sheik, ladies and gentlemen, he make you humble has left us. He was a punk. No, he wasn't. <laughs> make you humble. He make make you humble. humble. Oh Suplex my you, put you in the camel clutch, break your back, make you humble. Yeah. I, so yes, eighty-one years old, the the Iron wow. Sheik passed away just recently. And again, you think about all those old timers and 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 the what they put their bodies through, and especially Sheik, yeah, with that with that leg that was all funky and messed up, and and then of course all of the substances that he he did uh, throughout yeah. the years. It's kind of like you're like, that's ah, a shame, but that's at least 20 years more than I think anyone had a right to expect. Really? I mean, yeah. I, come on. You know, w- w- watching the biography about him, the thing that mm. really struck me, um, you know, because growing up in the 80s, he was such a, you know, when 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 the when the theater of wrestling was still presented as very real and mm. uh, and, and he was, you know, playing you know, basically a, a, in some ways a very, you know, cultural sort of enemy in, in, in this Iranian character, um, really struck me how, how like, like the burden of what he must've carried, you know, with, with, with playing that character, you know, um, I, I don't remember his, his real name, but, but the, you, you know, the man who played Sergeant Slaughter, you know, had, had made oh, yeah. comments in, in there about how he legitimately worried about his safety at some times because of the fact of how hated he was. Um, he, he was one of the legit great bad guys because not only of, of, of the gimmick he portrayed as, you know, from, from this country that, you know, had a political beef going on with, with America, but also, um, the way he just antagonized the crowd, the way he mm. would play up, you know, to all of those like heel tendencies where um, whether it's the loaded boot that he had or, you know, the fact that he yeah. was able to, you know, um, you know, just dominate, you know, his opponent with that camp. I mean, the way he would apply the camel clutch sometimes I'm like, man, like, I don't understand how that was like protected or fake you know what i mean like it looked like he was he was stretching some of the guys like legit you know what i mean like it just like uh to remember when uh in in mick foley's book where he talked about you know how harley race or not harley race uh terry funk threw one of the best punches and and mick was in the ring he's like oh finally i'm gonna learn the secret of the of the of the you know terry funk you know left hand and he says he just wound back and whack. He's like, and that's when I realized what this deal was. He just hit me as hard as a human being could possibly hit another human being. And afterwards, he told him, he's like, I thought, I thought you were just, you know, what did you do? Like, yeah. I, you know, he's like, oh, cactus, you just thought I was that good. 
<laughs> like it, I, I can only imagine yeah. like in the, in a way like Sheik was like you know I got to make my money and and if yeah. it, if this going to be your you're sore for a couple of days afterwards so be it come so be talk it. to me and I'll I'll yeah. get the Persian clubs out and we'll see exactly who's going to who's going to you know come out on top of this but but his whole story like I really appreciated that biography because you know to understand where he came from how he you know left mm. Iran to come to America how he just embraced, you know, kind of the, the, the worst impulses of Americans at the time, you know, to, to make, you know, to make a living for himself um, and, you know, become a world champion out of it. I, I thought was really, uh, you know, just a great story. And, and, you know, the way that he, he just kind of turned that around and, you know, made, made a career for himself that way um, was, you know, was, was, you know, like was an impressive story to, to, to take in. Um, I think, you know, what, what I think, you know, gets lost sometimes is, you know, in, in all the hype of Hogan and the Hogan era of the eighties was the fact of, of, you know, for every great good guy, you got to have a phenomenal bad guy. And, and yes. he's always, um, I shouldn't say he's always kind of left behind and, or, or, or not thought of, but you, you know, when everyone gravitates to Hogan and the memories of Hogan as, as a hero, you know, he, he sometimes can be forgotten as, as the guy who kind of got him over because of the fact that he was this, you know, this legit bad guy. Um, I, I watched, uh, I think it was last week. I watched a video with Mark Henry, uh, where, where he was talking about how he, um, you know, he, he took on, you know, the Sheik's challenge of, of doing the Persian clubs. And, and, and I mean, those are like 90 pound clubs and the way, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that was something that it was very rare for a wrestler to be able to do or execute, you know, the, 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 the motions and the, and the exercise with those clubs, Mark Henry, you know, Mark Henry was able to do it. And he tells that story because it's like, he earned the Sheik's respect, you know, like, like the Sheik, mm-hmm. Um, you know, clearly he, you know, Mark Henry's a, you know, world's strongest man, you, you know, had, 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 had the strength and had the, the capacity to do it. But I think, you know, he tells that story because of the fact that, you, you know, just the fact he earned the Sheik's respect was a big deal for him. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and the Sheik did respect him, you know, like, like, you know, he, he talked about how he kicked up those clubs and he went through a few, you know, a few rounds with it and stuff and, and, and the Sheik, you know, bought it and, and said, yeah, you're, 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 you know, you're legit. Um, you know, a lot of guys have tried that and failed and, and it's, it's a testament to, you know, his conditioning and the reality of who he was as an athlete, you know, setting aside the theater of wrestling, you know, he, he was a legit athlete, you know, and, and he was someone mm-hmm. who, who, who was a, a, you know, someone who, who was a real threat who, you know, could have, you know, put any number of, of those wrestlers away probably if he wanted to in, in, in some way, shape or form. So, um, you know, to see, you know, to hear of his loss was, was certainly, you know, it, it's a sad thing, you know, from our perspective, because of the fact we grew up with him and, and the fact, you mm-hmm. know, we, we always reference him in this show, but, um, but he's he's also just such an iconic villain, and and I know when we did our brackets, you know, he didn't make it to the finals, uh, but uh, but he was he 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 was an iconic villain, and he will go down in history as one of the best villains in all of wrestling. Yeah, and the fact that like this 
kind of the guy coming along at the perfect time like the, the you know the the man for that for that season just as you know the the iran you know hostages right, are place, happening right and here comes this guy who is a legit you know guy from tehran iran and you know yep. and is the bad guy oh my gosh and, and but the fact that you have this guy who's the heel he's the bad guy and yet right. he is living the American dream. He is kind of the embodiment of the American dream of coming here and making a, a life for himself. And a dude who, by all, all you know, uh, all indications, you know, love this country, mm-hmm. which is uh, it, it's kind of one of those little bits of irony that I really appreciate about professional wrestling. And when you start learning yeah. this, the behind the scenes stuff and you're like, oh, oh, wow, that's that's kind of cool that, you know, that's a thing. Um and was also like, you know, and I know it wasn't him all the time. Uh, it was a great follow on Twitter. Um, you know, as, as he would have probably said, Mark Henry is Lifelong the real. long feud with Hogan. Oh, my gosh. You are worse than Hulk Hogan. I and mean, you know what? The, the man the found a way to work from Hulk Hogan, Hogan into anything. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like yeah. any event he would comment on, he would work Hulk Hogan into it. Yeah, and and now the more that Hulk Hogan has opened his mouth over the years, the the more yeah. that we're like, you know what, Sheik might have had this one nailed a long time. <laughs> might have been onto something there, <laughs> you know? Because apparently, I saw there was a thing on uh, uh, WrestleMania where they were talking mm-hmm. about you know how some wrestlers are upset with Hulk Hogan. I'm like, oh gee, I wonder what it's about now. Um, what did he yeah. fart out of his mouth hole now? And apparently, he talked about uh, he kind of bemoaned the fact that back in the day, you know, the wrestler back in the day when you know wrestlers were you know men were men and so were the women. I guess mm-hmm. you know as as Jim Cornette would say, um, you know how the wrestlers were bigger, you know, and all this. And he mm-hmm. he said I, I wasn't you know I was 300 pounds and I was kind of a medium guy. And I'm and I'm just like, well, yeah, Hulk, because you know, they can't all like afford the steroids that you used yeah. to put yourself on, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's Sheik it, it, was one of those guys. Like he was instantly buyable as a bad guy, yeah. you yeah. know. Just you didn't he didn't and even he just have to open to his mouth. Crowd. Like, oh like, my gosh! Like yes. Watching that biography and seeing some of the clips of him working the crowd, it's like God. It was mm-hmm. a freaking masterclass in how to be a good wrestling heel. My God! Oh, and there, there was that story that Jim Cornette tells where he was uh, he was working somewhere. I think he was in Kentucky, and uh, he talked about how you know he was working. Cornette had, had to fill in as the ring announcer, and the mm-hmm. I guess the athletic commissioner in in Louisville or wherever was very strict. Like, didn't get the wrestling was was a was a work. You know, he thought it was you know was trying to treat it as legit and all this. So it was like it was a very strict rule about no one mm-hmm. but the ring announcer could be on the house microphone. And so they they had um, you know Sheik is coming down and Sheik is going to do his you know. Iran number one, USA, Hatui, sort of thing, and 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 Jim's like trying to tell him, he's like, Sheik, get the, you can't get on the microphone. He's like trying to grab the microphone away from me. He's like, so Cornette and Sheik are wrestling around for the microphone. And at one point, Cornette's trying to tell him, he's like, Sheik, Sheik, you can't get on the mic. The the commissioner won't let you go and get on the microphone. And Sheik manages to pull the microphone close to him, and at that moment goes, F the commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> over the over the house, Mike. And oh, Cornette's like, I'm dead. 
And apparently afterwards, the guy was a hot, and he's like, he's like, oh look at gosh. him. I'm, I'm, I can't. What am I gonna do? Right. <laughs> I tried. Right. Oh my gosh! Right. But so many stories with the chic, like even Mick Foley talking about like catching a ride on like one of those little golf carts in the airport. Mm-hmm. You know that usually has like a beep beep beep. He's in, not with a chic aboard. You know she could be like, get out of the way! What are you deaf? Get out of the way, you jabroni! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, what a character! What an absolute character! Like someone Absolutely. who lived their gimmick. Yes. Know? A a, so, a yes. adopted and and uh, like adopted member and a spokesperson, if you will, of the Free Range ADC congregation, the Iron Sheik. Yes, he he didn't know it, but you know he was he was always with us in spirit. Absolutely. Make may may he may he rest in peace. Make him humble. Make him humble. Indeed. You are he, worse than Hulk Hogan. You are. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, Love I guess it. that is it for that. Well, we got to hear the we clock. actually There it is. We actually came out ahead like 3 minutes on that. I think just even having nice. the clock on this thing has uh, has helped us out. Oh, and by the way, uh Sergeant Slaughter's real name uh Bob Remus. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here to I thought help. it was GI Joe, but that's okay. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> now you know and knowing is half the battle. Anyways, uh we are now on to the final segment. Wow, we're, we're actually doing pretty good on time here, so let's try not to muck it up. And another thing. What have you got for and another thing this episode, sir? Uh, so during our, our month and a half sabbatical, uh, my wife and I watched a uh, surprisingly good show called The Diplomat on Netflix. It is uh, starring, uh, let me pull up the... Uh, Castless here, starring Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell. Uh, it is a story of a uh, kind of a fish out of a water story, a little bit where it is a uh, Carrie Russell plays um, basically someone who has been involved in you know diplomatic situations for the government for the U.S. government who gets thrust into a uh, diplomatic role in uh, the United Kingdom, and there is a uh, tragic event that happens uh, that she is kind of working with the UK on. And uh, it turns into a, a very well done and and well uh, executed uh, political thriller, if you will. Um, Watch the first season, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, highly would recommend it to folks uh, if, if you're in, in the bag for those sorts of kind of shows, you know, more, more politically and kind of thriller based. Um, I wouldn't call it born, you know, like a born identity sort of thing, but it, it just has some very interesting kind of twists and turns to it. So, if, so if you like mystery, if you like that, you know, the sort of, um, you know, political thriller type, type genre, I, I would highly recommend it and uh, really strong story uh, overall. So, uh, so just, just enjoyed, you know, it's a little bit off the beaten path for the man they called him, but I very much enjoyed it and would highly recommend it uh, to our uh, listening audience. So the diplomat on uh, Netflix, do check it out. So in you, addition what is to... your hand? Another thing. In addition to uh, to uh, penetration and not throwing the balls up, uh, the man they call Tim also very uh, very keen on situations where people are thrust into things. So yeah, absolutely, it's good to know. Thrusting, to know. penetration, and balls. So you be the judge. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ron. No, God, please, no, no. <laughs> 
Uh, for me, uh, I'm actually, uh, I, I, the other night I was at a loss for things to watch and quite honestly, I just, I did not have it in me to start another, uh, show or really even get into, into a story. Um, so I, I pulled up, uh, I, I still have my Peacock subscription for some reason. I've not, I've not canceled that. What? So Vince is, Vince is still getting 10% of my $6 or whatever I'm paying to NBC. Yeah. Yeah. Let me talk to you. <laughs> What? <laughs> my watch says um so uh, i pulled up the the broken skull sessions and no no new episodes but i went back and uh, i realized i hadn't watched the mick foley episode ah um, and so i, I got a chance to, to oh very good and it's it it's always interesting watching two guys um who, who kind of came up together and were in mm-hmm. the business at the same time talking shop and all that and i do appreciate how they kind of went through a lot of things and you know, at this point, I think I've I've read two of Mick Foley's books. I've watched a bunch of interviews. Um, I've even seen bits of his own his podcast. I went and saw the man do his one man show, so I feel like I've got pr- pretty good background on this. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. As far don't, as don't 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 undersell this. You didn't not only see his show, but you actually got like a bit of like audio that we use in our lead in to this show. Well, yeah. That's yeah, all, that's that's all. Yeah, that's all on Uncle Todd. So I, I, I just yeah. want to give credit credit where credit is due. Let me talk to you. Damn. There we go. Um. So but it was interesting to watch. And it was it's also interesting to hear his thoughts on, you know, uh, on Hell in a Cell hmm. and and even getting some oh, there's a there's, there are a few details in there throughout all of the the history of his career that you kind of get in this that, that didn't come out in other places yeah so that was good that getting filling in some blanks and it was it's good and and mick foley's a great storyteller anyways so it, it's just fun to to hear him recount bits of his career and all of that um and yeah i thought it was a great episode and i would highly recommend it even if you're not a huge fan of professional wrestling like he is just an interesting cat and honestly stone cold is a great interviewer um, yeah. And as far as like, yeah. I think he does a good job of drawing information out while also contributing his own uh, his own expertise and information as well to kind of fill out stories. A little snug. A little snug. Yep. <sighs> but I love you know, I to, love how to, when they start talking about uh, talking about the thumbtacks. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, you, you know, he, he, he mentions like, oh, Steve, I, we were going to do that. He's like, I don't think we need to do that. <laughs> like Scott was like, I don't think we need to do that. Like very diplomatically, like I'm not getting turned into a pin cushion. I don't know yeah. who you think you're talking to here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to to your point, that has always been Foley's, I think, gift and 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 his charm is is I think he engages people who don't normally connect with the wrestling product. You know, I I, I think mm. that that has always been his strength is he's such a sympathetic character. Um, you know, I, I, I go back to the late nineties, you know, when you and I were, were living together and, and, and watching Monday night raw and that, that whole, you know, sequence that played out where night, you know, Eric Bischoff tried to spoil the, the, the whole world title win that he had and how that completely backfired, it completely backfired because people, 
bought into the underdog story of McFoley, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. I think that that has always been his strength is the way he engages the audience in a way that other superstars, you know, where, where you have the Austins, the rocks, you know, the Cena's Roman Reigns, Lesnar, you know, there, there, there's something obvious there that, that you try to latch onto, um, you know, with, with, with watching them, but with Foley, it was, it was, he was the guy who was never supposed to have hit the, the level that he hit. And when he mm. did, you were rooting for him every step of the way. And so that, that sort of every man charm that he has is just, it's, it's very unique. It's something that is not, you know, something you can teach or something that, that can be passed along to someone else. It's, it's just, it has to be part of the person, the human being that, that goes on, on, on the television screen. He, he just had a very unique, you know, uh, character and a very unique way of presenting himself that struck the audience in a way that I think engaged people who wouldn't normally come to wrestling. Yeah, very true. And, and also kind of got into like why, you know, it, to, just to dovetail a quick story into that when he when he got signed by WWE you know and, and kind of got signed because you know one person was really Jim Ross was his champion and Vince McMahon apparently now and I had never heard this before Vince was like all right I'm gonna bring him in but mm-hmm. just so you can see what it feels like to have your heart broken when mm-hmm. somebody that you think is going to be great turns out to be squat yep and it's like wow you know, again, to be that again, short change at every step, even though you're he, he, he is like a valuable commodity. And uh, has, it's good to see someone like that kind of with Undertaker, Rock mm-hmm. and Austin and Triple H. Yep. I mean, you you couldn't have asked for a better career. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like like someone like him who just is not the stereotypical you know, body type wrestler, you know, you know, bodybuilding kind of wrestler. And yet he made a career and had memorable feuds with four of the top guys of, of, of the nineties into the two thousands. I mean, it's, it's just remarkable. Just remarkable. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Highly recommend that episode. Check it out. Check it out. And one more time. Make you humble. Well, ladies, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for bearing with us. Thank you for sticking through with us. Uh, we know this is the kickoff to season four, so maybe we've gained some new listeners here. Welcome to the Free Range Idiocy Congregation, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And in, in your, if you're wondering, like, well, how do I become a part of this congregation? Yes, I want to join this podcasting cult. Uh, it's real easy. <laughs> you just subscribe. That's all you have to do. We make Good it a real God. low bar for entry because, quite honestly, if it were any higher, we wouldn't get in. Pass the um, collection so, plate. <laughs> Yes. Um, so what you can do to subscribe, you can go to our uh, website, which is www. I don't know why I'm just giving the www anymore. Is that even a thing? Like, do we need to do that anymore? Are we in the 2000s? I'm showing my age. What the I know. Heck? Like, <laughs> web 1.0, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but you go to freerangeidiocy.com, and you'll be able to see all of our episodes there. You can subscribe right through Podbean or the Podbean app. You can also download the episodes individually. You can also find us on podcast purveyors across the universe uh, mm-hmm. or perhaps even the galaxy, maybe just the world, uh, like uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, whatever the, the Amazon one is. 
Pandora, all of those, just go ahead and search for Free Range EDC. You can also find us on the interwebs and the social media because we love us some us. Uh, you can mm-hmm. find us at Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. All of those are at Free Range EDC. Uh, by the way, if if you are a loyal member of the Free Range EDC congregation, uh, congregation, I don't know, I think I said congregation twice there. It's getting late, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you have a way to rate us, I mean, feel free to give us some five stars, four stars, hell, even three stars. Quite honestly, I'm I'm not proud. I'm a, I, I'm an only child. Downloads. I take whatever attention I can get. The downloads, the ratings, all of that stuff is well appreciated. If you have any thoughts, concerns, any kind of ideas for shows, feel free to send those to Tim at FreeRangeEDC.com because he's a mm-hmm. caring, empathetic human being, and I really don't care. Um, and that being said, let us now turn this over to the less idiotic member of the duo of idiots on this show, but not before I ask the second most important question ever uttered by human mouth holes. The first, of course, being what is hip. The second, of course, being what the hell did we learn this episode? Anything? Uh, we've learned the following, uh, my friend. We, we, Damn! That's right. We have learned uh, that even after a month and a half sabbatical, uh, Uncle Todd, the man they called Tim, on point, on game, haven't lost You're anything. Wrong. No rust to, 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 to knock off here. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> we've also You're learned wrong. Uncle Todd has way too much fun with the soundboard. Good Shut God. Up, well, that's Shut up, fair. Wesley. Yep. Do tell, Captain. We have also learned, uh, you know, Mando season three, it was it was pretty good. Didn't maybe didn't live up to some of the overinflated expectations. Guardians of the Galaxy, however, volume three, definitely uh, exceeded expectations. Uh, we we were disappointed by the Celtics, but we will always have a. That's right. They 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 were a punk. Absolutely. <laughs> But most importantly, uh, definitely got to give props and honor the Iron Sheik, a, a cultural icon, a uh, you know just just a a guidepost, if you will, from from Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim's youth, and a uh, just just an over the top character that we have very much enjoyed. So may he rest. Make you peace. humble. Absolutely. Make you humble. Oh, the man was all about humility. <laughs> Uh, nonetheless, uh, as we like to close things out, we thank you for uh, the listenership. We thank you for the downloads. And as we like to uh, end things here on the range, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll change it up a little bit and not make it about uh, the, the electricity or the bill, but rather we're closing up the uh, range for this evening. Uh, so as Holy uh, cow, you had me scared there. I thought you were, were going to retire live on, on the show. No, like, wait a minute, no, no, just, just, just changing it up, just changing it up a little bit. Uh, you oh. know, as, as, as some fine establishments like to uh, proclaim when they close up shop uh, for the evening, uh, you know, you can't go home, or, or you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> so uh, nonetheless, we thank you. You shut off. That's right. You're done. You're suspect. But we thank you again. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, we thank you. We bid you adieu. And as the Sheik would like to say, uh, if if I could cue the uh, soundboard. You are worse than Hulk Hogan. Not that one. The one about humble. (laughs) Make you humble. That's right. And so it is said. 
I think you've had about enough. Well, I th I think you're wrong, you increasingly attractive-looking woman. You know, you're you're really pretty. Oh, stop. No, I'm I'm serious. You could you could be in magazines. You you could. You can, and, and not just like jugs or or creamsicle. Call me. She won't call. I'd like to once again remind our contestants that there are proper bathroom facilities located in the studio. Oh, here's a pleasant sight. Cirrhosis the Wonder Dog. I'm, I'm not drunk, all right? I just have a speech impediment. <laughs> and a stomach virus. In last place, with negative $69. <laughs> oh, brother, Sean Connery. <laughs> Negative $69. Okay, that wasn't your score. Well, 69 is how I scored with your mother last night. <laughs> Let's just move on to the category for Double Jeopardy. Now get the hell out of here!